it is so good, good to be with you. Um, I've been away for a while. Uh, I missed, I missed a couple weeks. Uh, I was up in Minnesota doing some things, and um, I just want to say that I was. Other times when I've when I've come back, I was like, oh, you know, it was really good to get away. But this time, it was like I am ready to be back. I am ready to be back. And and I I think when I walked in here last week. The, literally, and I'm not joking, I'm not trying to be cheesy, and I'm not trying to be sappy, I'm, I'm being completely honest and real with you. I said, this is home. Amen. This is my home. Th- this is my family. And I don't say that just because I'm the pastor. I really felt that. I really felt welcome. And I'm walking in, and people are giving high fives. And ju- it just felt like home. And isn't it, isn't it just the greatest thing in the world to have that place where you just walk in and you feel like Family. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe that's with your real, your biologically fam- family, and if that's not the case for you, this is your family. Because we are all brothers and sisters, and we are God's family. I just want you to know I felt that. So thank you for welcoming me and, and loving me uh, as a part of this family. And I hope that every single one of you feels that uh, today, too. I know some of you have just, maybe this is your first time here, uh, or you've been coming for a few weeks. We just want you to know that, that you're welcomed here, that you, you're loved, and that uh, whether you feel it or not, there's a place for you here. There is always a place uh, for you here. And uh, we love new folks. <laughs> uh, we, we are ready for you, even though it doesn't seem like we have room. We're making plans uh, for more room, and so uh, keep that in mind. But we love seeing the family grow. That's what families are supposed to do, is grow. So we are excited to have you here. So you ready to dig in? Let's do this. Okay, if you got your Bibles, uh, Mark just read from Matthew chapter 7 for us. We're going to dig into that today. If you haven't found that yet, if you need a Bible, take that one home. That's our gift to you. There's some Bibles on the end of the rows, and if you uh, forgot yours or don't have one today, uh, just kind of elbow down, and uh, we're all friends here, so they'll, they'll pass you on down. Uh, as you're turning there, I just want to make it an, obs- an observation. We as Americans love choices, don't we? We love choices. I would even go as far to say that we demand choices. And I think that it's that reality that uh, I was looking up some things about this this week, and there's this author named Robert Canigal, and he wrote these words. The right to choose, the right to make choices, is as American as apple pie, or pumpkin pie, or Boston cream pie, or pecan pie. Right? You know what I'm saying? So we love our options. I just want to throw out a few of these. I I was doing some heavy research this week. Uh, Speaking of options, you know Revlon women? You know Revlon men? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, They they now boast that they have 158 different colors of lipstick for you to choose from. (laughs) I read that and I said, why? Why? Anyway, uh, never mind. So the people at Starbucks, we all like our coffee, right? The people at Starbucks, maybe, or, or any other coffee shop you might go to, Starbucks says they have now come up with over 18,000 different ways to serve you a cup of coffee. I think I've tried seven of them, maybe. So talk about choices. Get a load of this. You thought that was crazy. Grocery store. So back in, ni- whoa, excuse me, back in 1975, does anybody remember 1975? I heard good things. Okay, uh, so... <laughs> Groovy or whatever. Uh, The average grocery store in 1975 had 9,000 different items on its shelves. Does anybody want to take a guess right now here today how many different items? Don't tell me. Just talk to your neighbor really quick. Take a guess. How many different items are on a grocery store, typical grocery store today, 2011? 9,000 in 1975. Okay. Did anybody guess 
45,750. Anybody guess that? No, you didn't. Put your hand up. <laughs> Good try. That's how many choices there are today. When you go to the grocery store, it's not just, oh, Oreos. It's double stuffed, mint, raspberry flavor, whatever it is. You can't just get one single, single thing. 45,750. Uh, again, get this, and I'm not making this up. We now have, when you go to the grocery store, 125 different kinds of yogurt exist. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't either. 125. We have 177 different kinds of salad dressing. You think your refrigerator's full. 184 different kinds of breakfast cereal. And get this, 294 different kinds of soap. Because we really need that. Uh, and and I, I wonder... Do we need all these options? Maybe you're looking for a book to read. Anybody like to read books? Good news for you, just in this country, in the United States last year, 60,000 new books were published. So, better get started if you are a reader. Uh, it makes you kind of long for 1975, doesn't it? Some of you maybe not for other reasons, but uh, we can move on past that. Uh, but we love our options. But at the same time, I wonder if we long for things to be simple. I wonder if we long for things to be simple again. I remember uh, growing up in the, when I was in elementary school, and this wasn't that long ago, but I remember my mom said, okay, you got three choices, not 45,000 choices, three choices for your, for your sandwich today. You can have peanut butter, jelly, or peanut butter and jelly, right? That was your options. And maybe some of you uh, know what that's like too, but I don't know about you. I get tired thinking about that. I get tired thinking about all the choices and all the advertisements and media and marketing that's just kind of thrown in our face every single day. And it's this sort of thing that's led, uh, actually social psychologists are even now talking about something they would call choice fatigue. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever felt choice fatigue? Like you just go to the grocery store and you, right? Choice fatigue. And that's why I am so glad when I think about all those choices, I am so glad that in our scripture for today, Jesus gets to this topic of choices. And unlike the amount of items in a grocery store, the amount of drinks at Starbucks, Jesus actually simplifies life for us. In fact, Jesus says life for us comes down to just two choices. Just two. Two different options, two different paths by which you can take to live your life. Just two. But these two choices are radically different from each other. And here's the thing. In which we choose matters greatly. It doesn't really matter what brand of soap you use or what lipstick you use. Well, maybe it does, but that's another topic. But Jesus puts it pretty simple for us. And the way that Jesus puts it today is you could almost say this choice is literally a matter of life and death. It's pretty important. So, on that cheery note... Let's go to God's word together. Uh, if you've got chapter 7 uh, open there, we're going to start at verse 13. If you remember, we're going through this series just to give you a little context here. We're talking about the Beatitudes. Jesus is up on this Galilean hillside, and he's speaking to the crowds of people that are gathered there that day. The sermon series we're calling Turning the World Right Side Up, where sometimes what Jesus says and what the world tells us don't exactly match up. We're flipping the world right side up. So I know that Mark read this, but I just want to read this chunk for you one more time. Verse 13 to 14. We read this. Jesus says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, 
is, excuse me, is very difficult, and only a few ever find it. So let's stop right there. What is, what is Jesus doing here? If you just look at those two verses with me, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is setting up some options for us. He's, he's painting a picture of contrasts for us. He's saying that there's this road or that road. There's this destination or that destination. There's this gate or that gate. And, and, he's, and, and so one of them is the kingdom of God, or other translations, maybe you have a translation that just says heaven. There's the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, there's hell. Yeah, it's okay to say that in church. Hell. There's the kingdom of God, or there's the pathway to hell. And when I was reading that, I'd be like, hmm, I would much rather just skip that. (laughs) I would much rather just not talk about it, but it's there. And so you might be sitting there now going, okay, great. I've been to one of these kind of churches before. (sighs) I've heard one of these sermons before, right? It's always heaven or hell. It's always turn or burn, right? Well, I I don't really like those kind of sermons. And so I'm not going to give you one of those sermons. And this is not going to be that today. So before we jump into this and before you start just jumping to conclusions, a word about the kingdom. A word about the kingdom. When it comes to how Jesus refers to heaven or the kingdom of God in this passage, he's talking about his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his authority. Not just a place we go up in the clouds somewhere when we die, but it's a reality that's right now here today. It's a reality that has a now element and his kingdom is a reality that has a not yet element. So now and not yet. Say that with me. Now and not yet. There's two different elements to God's kingdom. So first of all, the now, right? We're living in it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He did ministry. He lived his life. He died on a cross and he rose again. And so you might say heaven came to earth, right? That's the now. And one of Jesus' very first messages when he's doing his ministry is repent for the kingdom, of God is near. That was the entire framework for everything Jesus did, is that the kingdom is near. And it's still here because it lives through us. We carry that. Jesus lives inside of us, and so we can live in that kingdom today. But there's also a not yet. So we have the here, and we also have the not yet. Because when we're honest, if you've read the news lately, (laughs) maybe you can say if you've looked at my own life lately, We are far, we are far from perfect. We are far from all the way there. This life, this side of heaven is definitely not void of problems and pain. And that's why I am so glad, and I'm sure that you are, I am so glad that there's a not yet. (laughs) Because if this is it, this is kind of a drag, right? I love life, I really do. But I am so glad that there's a not yet. When God's kingdom will be fully ushered in, and, and you ask, well, when's that? Well, when Jesus comes back. He promises that to us. When, when Jesus' final moments on these earth, he, earth, he's hanging with his disciples, and he says, I'll be back. Not, I'll be back, like Arnold or something like that, but I'll be back. He promises that to us, and you'll experience the full kingdom. And when that time comes, there'll be no more sin, no more struggling with that habit that I just can't get over. There'll be no more death, No more pain and no more sorrow, no more loneliness, no more sickness, no more broken relationships, no more hurting families. I long for that day. I really do. I'm so glad there's a not yet when that kingdom comes. And who knows, maybe even in that kingdom, 
the Cubs will win the World Series. Can I get an amen out there? Okay. But I long for that kingdom. I long when that time will come. And so that's one destination, is that, that highway, that road, that gate to God's kingdom. But we can't avoid it. The other destination is what Jesus calls the highway to hell, or some, some of your translations might say destruction, the road to destruction. And I, and I wish we could just wish it away. But we can't because Jesus doesn't. In fact, I just discovered this this week. Jesus actually mentions hell more than heaven. (laughs) That kind of a heaven, not this kind of a heaven where it's the kingdom of God. Jesus talks more about hell, and I I want, why is that? If you're a parent and you love your children so much, you're going to want to warn them. You're going to want to let them know, I love you so much. Choose life. I want you to choose life so desperately. But still in the scriptures, heaven, or excuse me, hell is described as a place of, of utter darkness and, and most notably a place separated from God. And I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine what that's like. We can't because we never have been, right? God is everywhere. We've never known what that's like before. But I want you to know this when we start talking about this. The darkness is real, and you know that. But so is the light. Hell is real, but so is the kingdom of God that is available right here today. And as God tells his people in Deuteronomy, he tells the Israelites, choose life. I hold out before you today life and death. Choose life. Choose life. Choose the right path. And I love Jesus for a lot of different reasons, but I love Jesus because he just gets right to the point. (laughs) Jesus doesn't come and beat around the bush. He says this in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to choose the right path? Follow Jesus. And then you know that you'll be on the right path. And he even makes it more clear. We just read this. Okay, there's this gate or that gate. Which gate do I choose? Read this with me from John chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus says this. Read this together. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Puts it pretty plain, doesn't it? Jesus says, I'm what you're looking for. In other words, Jesus is it. He's the deal. He is what we're looking for. That's why our number one core value here at Lutheran Church of Hope is Jesus is life. The rest are just details, (laughs) right? Everything pales in comparison to knowing Jesus. He says, I'm the gate. I'm it. I'm the pathway to life. And that's what drives us as a church. That's why I get up and do what I do every single day. And that's why I know that you're here is because you want to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. We love seeing lives transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And so here's the thing. If we're not careful, you could take a passage like this about heaven and hell, and we can get wrapped up in the entirely wrong debate. If we look at this passage today, Jesus is setting before us definitely an eternal choice. It's about heaven and hell, and I believe that because Jesus says it. He's setting before us a destination, but but for Jesus, I want you to understand something. 
these two different paths, these two different roads, these two different gates are something that's real right now. Not just up in the clouds with the chubby heart players someday. It's real right now. When Jesus talks about heaven and hell, he's serious, and yes, we should be, but I want you to know that for Jesus, it wasn't an issue of, did I get my get-out-of-jail-free card? <laughs> the issue for Jesus was, how do I get heaven here? The issue is not, how do I get to heaven? The issue is, how do I bring heaven here? Because Jesus knew the kind of world that he was stepping into. When Jesus stepped into our world, it was a world filled with brokenness and famine and oppression and loneliness and death. You know, sometimes when you see things on TV or in the newspaper and you hear about these things, like, it's really hard to describe them. And there's no other way to describe the world that we live in besides hell. Man, that's got to be hell on earth. You ever heard that? And that's just the reality that we lived in. When we have no other way to describe it, that's how we describe a place that seems so far from how God designed it. So when a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth comes on the scene and he starts healing the blind and he starts raising the dead and he starts loving those that think they're unlovable, you might say heaven came to earth. And Jesus says, following me, getting on this road to the kingdom, isn't about escaping this world and getting my get-out-of-jail-free card and I'll just sit around for the rest of my life and make up my own rules and make up my own way. A Christian, a follower of Jesus, is someone who anticipates spending forever right here in a new heaven that's coming to earth. You see the difference? When Jesus says, I am making all things new, he really means it. He's making all things new. And it's why he teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, Jesus, just get me into the clouds someday, please. What about now? What if eternal life started now? Right now, here today, is a reality that you could live into. And Jesus is making you and I into the kind of people that can make an impact for the kingdom of God right now, here, today. But I'll be honest with you, it's not easy Look again at Matthew chapter 7. Look back at our scripture today. Look at verse 14. Jesus is, he's not, he's not just beating around the bush here. He's not saying this with rose-colored glasses on. But the gateway to life, verse 14, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Why is it difficult? Why isn't the Christian life just a breeze? I think it's because it's so much easier to live for yourself. And those of you that are, we're all in relationships, those of you that are in any kind of relationship, you know how easy it is to be selfish, right? I've been married for a little while now. I'm a little selfish, you might say, right? And I could go on stories and stories and stories about how it's so much easier to go with the wide road. It's so much easier to go with the easy way out and just live for myself, but here's the thing. The gate is something that we have to walk through daily and choose that to say, this road is something that I choose to live life with you today, Jesus. So what does that look like? 
Will you choose the narrow road when you make worship a priority, even though the world clamors for your attention and tries to fill up your schedule with so many things? You say, no, God, I was created to worship and I'm going to make that a priority. You choose the narrow road when you say, I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my spouse not because they deserve it or not because they've been especially cheery that day. I'm going to love my spouse because I chose to love them. I see some eyes rolling out there. It's not me saying this. It's the one that created you. You choose the path that's not the easiest. You choose the narrow road when you move past your fear of relationships and you stop living your life in isolation and you get in a small group of people or you get in a Bible study, not because the church told you to, but because it's how you were created to live. You resist isolation. You choose the narrow road when you move past talking to your neighbor just about the weather and surface level things and you get to know your neighbor and you realize that they're hurting just like you and you invite them into a loving community of a church because it's what they were created for too. We choose these things not because they're easy but because they're life-giving. Wasn't it President Kennedy that said we choose to go to the moon not because it's easy but because it's hard. And Jesus says, walk the narrow road, not because it's easy, but because it's life-giving. It's how I created you. You were created, in other words, to bear fruit, to bear much fruit. So let's hop back to the second part of our scripture today, and we're going to tie these two things together. So verse 17, Matthew 7, 17. It's how you were created to live. And we read this. A good tree produces good fruit. Duh. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. This is mind-blowing stuff, people. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And I just find this interesting is that right after talking about heaven and hell, about something that we think is someday and doesn't really have anything to do with my life here today, Jesus starts talking about bearing fruit, which is something that we do right now. In other words, don't just sit around and wait for heaven and, and, and point fingers and say, well, you're in and you're out and you're a good person and you're a bad person and you're, you're good and you're bad. And, and, and that's not our job. That's his job. And Jesus says, your job is to help bring heaven to earth and to bear fruit, to bear much fruit, actually. Let's read this together from John 15. Jesus says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I love that, fruit that will last. And I just want to ask you today, what kind of fruit are you producing in your walk with God today? What kind of impact are you making? Sometimes I've even asked myself this question. What have I done in the last week that's going to matter 10 years from now? What have I done in the last week that's going to matter in eternity? What relationships, what activities, what people have I invested my time in that are going to grow God's kingdom? Because when we start to connect with Jesus, we start to live for way more than ourselves. We start to bring heaven to earth. And here's the big idea. You might want to write this one down if you're keeping score at home on your scorecards. This is the big idea. Your path determines your fruit. Your path 
determines your fruit. The choice that we make about those two roads that Jesus holds out for us is going to determine the impact, the mark, the legacy that you leave in your life. In fact, another one of our core values here at Hope is the, the, the Christian life is a growing experience. A growing experience, meaning you never graduate from your walk with God. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Every single one of us has room to grow. And the way that we put this around hope is, is what this is called the hope circle. And hopefully this isn't the first time you've seen this. But it's this idea that we never stop growing. Notice it's not a ladder, right? I'm so mature in my faith, boom, I've reached the top. I don't need to do anything anymore, right? It's a circle, meaning that once you go around it and once you become the kind of person that is a servant or a servant leader, you go around again and you bring some people with you. That's what it means to serve. That's what it means to lead. It's a roadmap for your life. Jesus says, I choose you to go and bear fruit. Well, how exactly do we get there? What this hope circle is based on is later on in Matthew, Jesus tells a parable of the seeds. And remember, some seeds fall on the ground and some of the ground's hard and some seeds fall on the ground that's soft. And Jesus says this, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And then is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so Jesus says to you today, you can choose the wide road you can make up your own way to God. Oh, there's lots of different paths. Or you can follow Jesus and leave an impact in your life so deep and wide that it's going to be felt for generations because your path determines your fruit, especially true as you move around that circle. In fact, this really came to life for me this past week. I was having uh, coffee with a young man, um, actually about a month or so ago. I was having coffee with a young man, and, uh, and we'll just call him Tony. That's a good name. If you're named Tony, congratulations, you won. Uh, we'll just call him Tony. So Tony's somewhat new to his faith, and he's telling me that one of the greatest impacts in his life has been a relationship with a campus ministry leader that he had while in college. And, and at the time, his leader was only about 25 or 30. He certainly wasn't a super Christian, but the way that he described his relationship was like, this guy was a big brother to me. He just, he just really poured his life into me. And he really showed me what it looks like to go from being a boy to a man of God. It's like, oh, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Well, turns out, uh, a few weeks later, I'm having lunch with this mentor <laughs> of his. And, uh, and, and we get to talking, and I ask him, we'll call him Steve, I asked Steve the same question. And I said, as you're thinking about your Christian walk, who made the most impact on you? And he says, oh, no doubt, Craig, right? Craig, this guy named Craig. And I, well, who's Craig? Well, he's just a guy that would hang out with a lot of us young adults here in Des Moines. And, you know, I think about it, he was kind of a father figure to me. And it just always seemed like no matter how busy he got, I mean, he's a really important business guy, but no matter how busy he got, he always made time. You think that's crazy? Get a load of this. I'm thinking back now, and I'm thinking back. Okay, I'm trying to make these connections. I'm kind of new to Des Moines. About six months ago, I had lunch with Craig. 
And I didn't realize it at the time, but now I'm starting to connect these dots. And, and I'm reflecting back on this, and, and I'm thinking about the conversation that I had with Craig and all these different guys and everything, and I'll never forget what he said to me. I don't remember a lot of the conversation, but I remember this. John, for me, it just came down to a daily choice of choosing the narrow road. It came down for me a daily choice to get on my knees in prayer for the men that God had surrounded me with in my life. Most days I don't feel like it, but my number one desire was that those guys in my life knew the Lord. And so now my mind is just running like crazy, and I'm a charts and graphs guy, so I'm making diagrams in my head of what all this looks like. And I'm thinking, okay, if Craig invested in Steve, and Steve invested in Tony, and there's like, and, and Craig told me that there's like nine other Steves in his life, right? Then I'm like making this chart, and I'm like, holy cow, that's not just a little tree. That is major, major fruit. Servant leadership. Giving it away, fruit that will last. And Jesus says today, it doesn't matter men or women, young or old, rich or poor, whatever your background is. Jesus says today, I choose you. Have you ever heard this? You can only teach what you know. You can only lead people where you're going. But most importantly, you can only reproduce who you're becoming. That's all that we can give away. So the question is, are you a person worth following today? Are you a person worth reproducing? And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, I could just kind of just wrap up the sermon and say, so go bear fruit. But, but I couldn't do that <laughs> because God put some of you on my heart this week. And I honestly mean that. And there's... Maybe you find yourself in one of these two areas today or somewhere in between. But first, I just want to talk to the young adults, the young professionals, the young couples that are here today. And I felt extremely awkward writing this because I'm like, preach it to yourself, brother, right? I'm you. I'm, I'm with you, right? I'm, I'm in that category. Um, but I'm thinking I need to hear this too. And, and maybe you're not young, but maybe you're just young in your faith today. Or maybe you're checking out church again. Maybe you haven't been to church for a long time and you're just checking it out today. Here's my challenge to you. Put down your roots. Stop playing a helicopter life and just bouncing around from place to place. Put down your roots today and start to grow. Many of us in in this stage of life where we're kind of young or or young in our faith, we say, I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to be mature, I want to move around that circle but we've never learned to go deep. We've never learned to put our roots down, to plug into a community, to surround yourself with friends that are going to tell you what you need to know, not just what you want to know, to surround yourself with friends that are going to challenge you, to find a mentor who's going to pour their life into you, who's older and wiser, where you can get wisdom and guidance for your life. Don't wait. Don't wait. And I have to tell you this. I am so, so incredibly thankful that we have a community full of young adults. That is a huge, praise God. 95% of the churches in this nation, that is the number one demographic that is gone. Absolutely absent. And so I am so thankful for that. And and you got to know, you're not the church of the future. You're the church of right now. And if anybody has ever said, oh, just wait. No, 
don't. <laughs> say, no, I'm the church right now, and this is who God created me to be. You, me, I'm including myself in this. We're in this now, so start planting now. Start cultivating the kind of heart that you want to have someday as a husband, as a wife, as a manager, as an owner, as a leader of a family. Start cultivating that life right now. One of my favorite verses is from Psalm 37, verse 4, and it says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. If that is not a word to the young adults in the world, I don't know what is. Cultivate faithfulness. Don't fall into the when-then lie. You might ask, John, what's the when-then lie? The when-then lie, I can't even say it, is this. When I get married, then I'll be fulfilled. When I get that job, then I'll really have a grasp on what I'm doing on in my life. When I graduate, then I'll get serious about my faith. When I have kids, then I'll get connected to church for real because I want to get them into Sunday school. What about now? Jesus says, wide and narrow, choose life. Choose life. And finally, this is kind of a tough one for me. Uh, When I first got the job here at City Branch... I, uh, I had about a, a three-hour interview where I sat around the table with 13 people twice my age glaring at me. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be your pastor, <laughs> right? And I asked that question. And somebody on that committee, and I won't name names, that's still here today, I asked, why would you want to follow me? And he said, this guy that I respect with the utmost looked at me and he said, John, if God calls you to lead this church, then we will follow you. And I just want to say, I am so incredibly thankful for those of you in this church, and I don't say this in a bad way, that you might be twice my age, okay? Let's just be honest, right? I didn't say young or old, I just said twice my age. And I love that. I love being the church with you. I love doing life with you and I have learned so much from you and I will continue to just keep being yourself. But here's the thing. Maybe you're in that place today and you've been on the journey, the Christian journey for a long, long time and I've been a part of five different churches and I've said the prayer and I've sung the songs and I've gone to the services and I've been in 18,000 small groups and I've gone to the Bible studies. I've, I've done it all. But for some reason there's just that emptiness. And you might be sitting there today thinking, there's got to be more. And could I suggest to you that might be in that area today that it's time to stop playing it safe? What you've been given is not for you. You are blessed to be a blessing. So maybe it's time to start giving it away. There is a servant. Remember the circle? There is a servant leader heart in you that is just dying to get out. But it's hidden behind this wall of, oh, am I good enough? Do do I know enough? Am I relevant enough to relate to these kids these days? Do do, do I know enough? Am I a good enough Christian? You know what? I'm not perfect, so I think I'm just going to hang out. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but none of us are. (laughs) None of us are. And none of those things that I just mentioned qualify you to give it away, to give that love and that grace and that freedom and that peace away to the next generation. The only thing that qualifies you today is if the love of Jesus Christ is beating in your heart and you can go find somebody that might be sitting next to you today and invite them into that imperfect, broken life that you have and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's time today 
to stop keeping it to yourself and give it away. Maybe it's time to take that promise that Jesus says it's the narrow road or the wide road, and it's time for you to be the one that initiates and step up today and say, I'm going down the narrow road. Does anybody want to come with me? And you bring as many people as you can. Be a Craig today. Because one man, in that little story, because one man said, I'm going to go down the narrow road, heaven is that much more crowded today. Because your path determines your fruit. There are growing ministries around here. Let me tell you, there are growing ministries just dying for leadership, for men and women of courage. There are people sitting next to you today that are dying for a mentor. Will you be that person today? What's your next step? Because just as thankful as I am for the younger crowd, I'm so thankful for you. But I wouldn't be honest and real with you if I didn't say if you've been in that Bible study now for three years (laughs) and you've never gone beyond your age bracket and you've never busted out of your Christian bubble, maybe it's time today to find somebody (laughs) that's maybe sitting next to you today or better yet, find somebody that would never step inside this building and invite them into your life. No matter where you're at today, young or old or anywhere in between, the truth for all of us is this. Your path determines your fruit, and the choices that we make today will be the legacy that we leave. And way more important of a choice than what kind of soap you use. What kind of fruit will your life bear? What path will you choose? And I can almost see it now. Tom Hanks standing at the crossroads. Maybe some of you saw the film Castaway. came out several years ago, and Tom Hanks has been stranded on this island. Spoiler alert here. He gets saved. He's been stranded on this island for a couple years, two, three years, I can't remember. And he finally gets back to society, and his life is just in shambles. And he's sitting there asking the question today, what's my next step? What path am I going to choose? And so as you just watch this really short clip, there's no talking, there's no words. I just want you to watch the look on his face as he looks one direction, and then he looks another direction. And then finally something catches his eye. We never find out, but I want you to think about between you and God, what is it that you're looking at today? What direction are you headed? Let's take a look. The wide road or the narrow road. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. What's your next step today?